today our guest, Jamie Kajundu. Morning. Welcome. And my fabulous co-host. Rob Cremoso, or a.k.a. the Count de Monet. But that's another story, another time we'll get into that. <laughs> but you probably already know it because I am a little crazy. Exactly. So I'm the Vintage Contessa, and we are coming to you living the authentic life. And we wanted to get together with amazing, interesting tastemakers, Texans, people from throughout the country that are really making change. And Jamie is one of those amazing people. His commitment, his collaboration, the amount of people that he connects with, it's really been amazing to me. We actually met through mutual friends at a country and western birthday party Bobby of all Brown. places but um i guess it was a country and western place but bobby brown is not cnw but um it was awesome and we've talked to him before about bullying but what's happening in our country uh this week and what's been happening for many uh generations is another form of bullying so we wanted to meet with you today talk to you a little bit about your journey in life, and really dig into answering the question, how do I know it's real? How do I know friendships are real? How do I know the police force is real? How do I know our community is real? And give some inspiration to people out there who are really searching for help in this journey to understand how that all works. Well, um, first and foremost, I'm happy to be here with you, and congrats on the launching of your new platform. Uh, this is really exciting. Thank you, so, thank you. So, uh, and thank you for having me uh, here to share my perspective on various topics. <laughs> uh, so, where would you like to begin? Could we do a couple minutes of your background? Yes, did tell you, us about you your... You didn't grow up in Houston, and it'll give us a little bit of a well, bio. I should read more okay, of this then bio. Tell us I'm so sorry. He is a 2018 lawyer lawyer of distinction for excellence in sports and entertainment law. He's a member of the National Black Lawyers Association. He's 2018 Top 100 Lawyers and Houstonian Magazine Top Lawyers Award. He's a 2005 graduate of the University of New Mexico School of Law. She embarrasses me too when she starts talking. It's, to it's a little tough to listen to sometimes. <laughs> and then all of these people that you've represented, the New York Knicks, the Denver Nuggets, Akeem Olajuwon, You've worked with the NBA. You've done so many hip-hop magazine, celebrities, fashion shows. And I do have to say, you are so stylish. And that was another reason we wanted you as our guest, because we tend to favor those stylish leaders well, out there. Well, you, I'm, I'm <laughs> blushing, and I'm not sure if my makeup is hiding that fact. <laughs> but um, first, I think I need to charge more based on what you've just read. Exactly. <laughs> but... Um, so I'll start with the, the fashion and, and, and yes. move in. So, so um, my uh, favorite person to buy clothing from is a gentleman named Alex Homer. Mm -hmm. um, so he, he's my tailor. He's been a, and, and now one of my better friends. And, and uh, so he comes out and uh, he's responsible for making sure that I, I look um, professional in, in different settings and, and that I'm trendy. So I, I owe that portion to him. Um, and uh, persons like yourself, who I get to learn things about highs and lows. Um, yes, when it comes mixing to, high to... and low, so expensive brands <laughs> with lower-priced items. Yes. My Target with my Cartier Love bracelet. And I got to tell you, <laughs> when I hear the word Target, that makes me very excited. I'm thinking we almost have to get a 10.99 from them because we're saving. We're actually making money, not saving money. We're making money when she goes to Target. 
Well, we we don't call it Target. We call it Target. Target. Yes. Target. But we digress. Um, and so so my journey uh, from New Mexico. Uh, so when when you're from New Mexico, they always know if you're authentic because if you can't answer the question red or green, then they know that you're not a homer. Uh, and so so if you don't know the answer when they say red or green. Yeah, you're, you're persona non gratis, non welcome. Um, but yeah, so so my father uh, was a professor when when he came to this country um, from Uganda, and we migrated to uh, different states um, while he was um, pursuing different positions within uh, education, uh, academia. He was the one of the first African American professors at the University of Auburn, um, for example. Uh, went to New Mexico, uh, was a athlete there, so he played on their university soccer team. And then my mother, who was Miss Uganda, it's a story for another day. <laughs> no Beautiful way. woman. <laughs> oh, I love uh, that. And, and uh, super educated uh, as well. Um, went to the University of New Mexico, and then uh, and then my uncle came to the country, and he went to the University of New Mexico. So it became a um, destination point just like for you know some of the Italians who mm -hmm. ended up in New York and yes. and, and, and uh, um, historically a lot of persons from one region started tending to go into one area where they had common uh, situations and traits and, and persons with similar backgrounds so we're a family that um, all used New Mexico as our thumbprint um, for how we came to the United States I was I was the firstborn uh, in in the United States uh, in you know between my mother and father's marriage, um, and then we went to Pennsylvania, New York, Alabama, back to New Mexico, and I grew up predominantly uh, in New Mexico. So, um, undergrad, high school, law school, um, parts of middle school, parts of elementary school, all in New Mexico. And I uh, ended up in Texas because my my uncle um, moved to Texas, and as I was growing up, I would fly back and forth to Houston, and and just kind of see what was out there. And as soon as I graduated law school, the very next day, I was on a plane, and ended up here. Well, and you're I googled what you did in college, and it came up that you did the long jump. Were you? Yes, yeah, so I'm a track guy and a basketball guy, but but in college, um, long jump, triple jump, four by one, sixty, open hundred, uh, you 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 name it, and I pretty much had the opportunity, or or at one point was called upon to to do it, um, and competitively, it, it was fun, and I still uh, get out there and still you know relive the the glory days, uh, uh, you know running on the track and have a couple of friends that, uh, along with myself, go out to different schools. Uh, so Frank Rutherford, mm -hmm. uh, is a former Olympian and, and one of the coaches at the University of Houston, uh, first Bohemian Olympian in the triple jump, oh, wow. um, inspired me to get back on the track uh, recently. Um, and from there, um, a Dr. Riahi came out and joined me, um, and we started getting a large following. Um, social media influencers, um, so, uh, beauty pageants, uh, contestants, um, housewives, 
um, you know, grocery store attendees or, or, or clerks mm -hmm. or um, so many different people, so many different backgrounds, all with the same goal of trying to improve ourselves uh, and, and exercise for them in a different way than they're used to. So normally, you know, they're used to uh, boot camps where they're lifting weights and they're doing a bunch of things that, the, that their body stopped responding. But so our organism, the body's an organism that needs mm -hmm. change to sometimes um, show improvement. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're doing the same routine, like so if Rob is bench pressing, you know, for 30, 30 years doing the same thing, mm -hmm. at some point he's going to stop seeing the change in his physique. And so we offered an alternative. Say, so, well, what would happen to your body if I gave you the opportunity to sprint like a deer, you know, for six months? And, and how would that change you? And people became very interested in that. And then, and then we had a lot of fun with it. Started doing, you know, social media posts and, and various uh -huh. hilarious, uh, you know, uh, um, cuts and takes of what that day's workouts were. I started inviting some of the most popular trainers in Houston uh, to join us. Uh, a guy named John Hooten came out and joined us. Um, Jay Sutaria, who trains um, Dwight Howard and, and trains all That's another athlete today. Uh, uh, yeah. I know, I'm shaking my head. I'm like, okay, that's yeah. not a fashion designer, so I don't know their name, but right. I, I'm sure it's impressive. Right, <laughs> right. You know, so we, we have these these persons that are professional trainers, mm -hmm. well-respected in their field, but, but track is not something that they're accustomed to, um, willing to come out and try try it, you know, put their bodies through those routines and, and um, take things back that they enjoyed about it and, and utilize it in their own trainings if they you know so choose but it 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 just took off it became uh you know uh very very interesting and and quite popular group um to be a part of and then of course winter came and nobody wants to run <laughs> except me you know i'm committed to it right <laughs> well, well well winter is not really winter here our winter i say we have nine months of summer in houston and three months of hell because it's gonna be 98 degrees four or five days next week, which is to me brutal. And every summer I say, you know, this is the hottest summer we've ever had. And my wife always gives me the look. It's because you grew up up a north. It's not any different. It's the same. Right. And I like your concept of changing and tricking the body, because if you do the same thing over and over and over again, without any change, I learned, I, I, wrote, I ride my bike a lot. And that's my exercise that I really love. I used to lift, lift weights, but I can't any longer because of joints. But that's, an, you know, it's just a part of your aging. Sure. But doing, I'll sometimes do sprints with my buddies when we ride our bikes. We'll ride mellow, and then we'll sprint as hard as we can for two minutes and then slow down for a minute and sprint and back and forth. And we've learned by doing these certain movements, it's really, it's tricked us. We don't sweat as much. We look at what our average speed is when we're riding now, and we're one or two miles an hour faster. And we really didn't do anything better or different than what we were doing, but our bodies just got better. And we're all in our mid fifties, right. and it's crazy by just changing things up. Sure, yeah, yeah, and and then your body has quick twitch and slow twitch muscle responses, and the muscle fibers fire you know different ways depending on how you train. So it makes perfect sense in what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. And and at some point, if you uh, want to ride your bike down to the track and see us, I, I would we'll, love we'll to. I'd love to, well. I'd love to learn to run a little because, yeah. um, as I tell people, I'm built for comfort, not for speed. <laughs> I'm like a, I'm, a, I'm just a Midwestern farm kid. I'm just I'm just a big kid, and um, I'd love to get a little leaner and um, 
see my belt buckle every now and then. It'd be nice versus going like this to look at it. No, but you're built for snuggling. He's built oh, for snuggling. Oh, he's a cuddler. <laughs> oh, yeah. My cuddler. Oh, I'm going to hear this one I later know. that I'm it's, a cuddler. Okay. I know. Well, I think that most of the leaders that I've connected with have found a way to take their passion and transition it into business. So I think it's amazing that you have this true love and passion of athleticism and style, and then you found a way to connect with these people through your law practice. But I mean, that's kind of a jump from athleticism to law. How did that evolve? So I, being an athlete, uh, I think, prepares you for a couple of things. It, pre mm -hmm. it prepares you for difficult situations. It prepares you uh, for how to win. It prepares you for how to lose. It, it gives you a clarity of focus when it comes to having something that you're objective, uh, you're objectively looking at, you're staring down, you mm -hmm. know, whether it's a finish line or, or a, you know, championship game or whatever it is, you, mm -hmm. you can focus and, and commit to a process that gets you to the end result. Mm -hmm. And for me, when, once I said, okay, I'm going to be an attorney, that was it. There was no, mm -hmm. you know, deflection. There was no veering off that course. It was these are the steps, and this is what I'm going to do. Um, and so I think that, that that was a very easy transition in that in that sense to go from from the law. I mean, from being an athlete to being a, an attorney. Uh, and uh, did I answer? the question that you were you, you did were, was there a catalyst that made you want to be a, an attorney was there something that happened that said oh I want to fix this or I want to save these people or was it more just that our daughter Bella says she wants to be an attorney a finance attorney because she loves arguing about money <laughs> so, so you get that a lot people say when they meet somebody that that, that they think loves to argue they all say oh yes. you should be a lawyer you you love to argue yeah, I'm and like, you don't seem argumentative uh, i'm not argumentative i'm a surgeon uh, uh, more more than a time bomb i don't go in and just i precisely cut and remove and move on you know but but um i think people who go into the field of law have one common idea and and it's you know I want to fight for and they pick a cause I mm -hmm. want to fight for the little guy I want to I want to make this situation right for this particular group or person I think that we all have that innate in our mind uh, I I had multiple options of career paths I think mm -hmm. I think most people have multiple interests mm -hmm. right um, Rob your interests probably you know are vast and you ended up in one field for one reason or another. But if somebody said, you know, would you also like to do a couple of these pivot. other things? We've yeah. had to pivot in our industry. When I was, we're interviewing you, but when I was younger, I, would, I was a coin dealer. I made money that. Then we got married and I was into the jewelry business. And then when she got pregnant, I bought a handbag for her. And we've had to pivot and, and adapt because the world has changed. And you... On your resume, you seem like you can be an attorney for everything from a sports person to a just cause to this. What was the, the catalyst that made you, or were you just testing it, testing it, testing it, and you enjoy it so much, and it taxes your brain, it makes you really work harder to know all of it. I, what, what, what's your focus? So when I first started practicing, I uh, was general counsel for a hospital management firm. 
And being in that position, I was forced to learn um, how to acquire ongoing businesses, um, how to build a business from, from the ground up, being purchasing land, um, all the architecture drawings, reading those contracts, uh, finance, and, and then you get into uh, employment matters, and then you get into litigious matters because there's nothing to litigate when you're a brand new entity, but when you have $150 million gross annually, you have 150 million lawsuits waiting to happen that you're preventing. Right. Because people generally don't sue companies or, or individuals that have a zero net worth. Correct, right? yes. So then, then you start to learn a, a, a bit about litigation, and then you start hiring outside firms and monitoring what they're doing mm -hmm. and, and learning what they do well and what they don't do well. So you become exceptionally exposed to so many different areas of the law mm -hmm. when you're in that position, whereas um, sometimes the traditional path of a lawyer is to go to a firm. Mm -hmm. You, If it's a large firm, you may get put into a specific section, and you can become an expert in mergers and acquisitions mm -hmm. and never in 25, 30 years see anything to do with litigation, see mm -hmm. anything to do with um, uh, taxation, see anything. But if you the the... the experience that I had was not that. I was birthed into a universe of exploding topics and having to put my fingers on those topics and learn from them. It made me, it made me better in my craft um, as an attorney. From there, I, I um, met a bunch of athletes that were retiring, mm -hmm. looking for what to do now with the, the next 45, 50, 60 years. Right, because retiring for athletes can be 27 sure. to 35 years old. Tom Brady is the only one that's kicking in his mid 40s and still at the top of his game because it's just not normal. It's, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, a professional athlete may have a, a um, career span of two to three years in some fields, and then, uh, then they have to get a, a whole new existence, a whole new uh, a way of creating revenue. And so a lot of them were looking for opportunities and, and making investments in different things, and some of those happened to be healthcare. So some of them ended up approaching the, the company that I was working with um, and, and having conversation about, you know, can we uh, make an investment in the next upcoming project? And, and so getting, forming those relationships, having conversations, well, what else are you doing? And, and then one of my first cases um, ended up being a, a case on, that was covered by Sports Illustrated. I had a client whose financial advisor took him for millions. And I'm in my second year of practicing law, and I have this Sports Illustrated case. And, 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 they're, wow. and, and they're looking to me for you know, reprieve, what can we do? How can, mm -hmm. how can you help us? And it's like, wait a minute, there's this entire issue of athletes being victimized um, by financial advisors mm -hmm. or even, you know, a, an uncle who's your, oh, who's yes. your manager. Uh, and, the parents and, sometimes and, even you know, Baseball crazy. players who, whose parents are sue, sue the player for compensation because they were on payroll and then the player fires their parent and the parent sues for millions. I mean, you've got yes. all Enter Entertainers, look at Britney Spears. Right, right. I mean, that, that whole craziness there of her family taking over her whole estate. But, um, yeah, the whole entertainment and sporting industry, so young, they make so much money so fast, 
and they don't they don't think it'll ever end and it, it, it does it does it does end and it, there's some misconceptions about being a, an athlete or an entertainer as well they they begin practicing their profession at like three or four years old mm-hmm. most of us when we get into college or trade school yes. we're we're 20 20 you know yeah, they're 18, 15, 15 15 20 years ahead of us absolutely and and so um that's why you know when they retire early then they have to step back and, and, and go into a new world that, that they, they have no experience in. And, and unfortunately, that leaves them as uh, victims. And the same thing actually happens to doctors, believe it or not. Doctors yes, are probably they're the, not. The, right. The, they don't have that. We interviewed my cousin last week, John Cangelosi, and he's the rare doctor that has the entrepreneurial spirit and that education side along with the medical side. So I'm going to put words in your mouth right now, but yes. I'm going to ask you about the most incredible collaboration you ever had in your life, and I'm going to answer it for you, your wife. I already knew. Uh, <laughs> I, I paused for a second. I was like, oh, my gosh. What's she, okay. <laughs> I'm going to put words in your mouth. So I met your wife, and yes. what I found so interesting, and we had wanted her to join us today because I think it's so interesting to see really talented, smart couples together and the way that they Thank support you. each other. Like, I've supported my baby, Rob. No, but, and I married uh, up. I'm yes. fully, I'm, I'm 100% I married up. But she's an educator, and I thought it was so fascinating to talk to her pre-COVID about just the journey. I can't imagine her journey through COVID with how... And then you've taken on this um, as one of your biggest outreaches for the community is to help kids who have been bullied and... Tell us about your journey together, your experience with education. Have you been able to pull these sports guys in with you? So um, her uh, journey at, through COVID has been interesting because every day uh, there's some kind of a Zoom call or some sort of a, mm-hmm. a, of a you know video conference call. It might not be Zoom, but we all know what Zoom is now as a result of COVID, right? I mean, I, I never heard of Zoom I in didn't my even life know. Yes. Until, until COVID, right. right? And now they're billion dollar company and that was the stock we missed we yeah. missed that one there certainly certainly um but but learning and planning and trying new things and rolling out new new programs i i hear portions of the conversation and then we mm-hmm. talk about what mm-hmm. what they're what they're doing and and watching school district across the state mm-hmm. and, and learning which which age groups are likely to go back mm-hmm. to school first uh which ones are going to just you know, possibly uh, continue to learn from home and and seeing it live, the the touch test uh, and and then apply or touch test and pivot uh, to to a different way of doing mm-hmm. things is is what the schools are are all going through. And in talking with her, I'm like, okay, so it's like in my and this is my opinion because I'm not in education, mm-hmm. but I, so, so everybody is in year one of this new existence. There is no uh, seniority when it comes to knowing how to navigate what schools are going through because they've never had to go through it. Mm-hmm. Not, not in our modern era. You and know, not on, on such a large basis. It, 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 Some homeschooling, you know, you've got a family that does it, but not all of a sudden oh. the entire world goes, we're homeschool, that's sure. it. From elementary all the way through college. Absolutely, uh, trying to figure out what, what kinds of supplies that families need to in order for their kids to to be able to participate in the education that's being provided and households that have 
three and four kids that don't have three and four computers. Yes. Right? I didn't mm -hmm. even yeah. occur to me. One Some of my don't even have any computers or yes. they have a parent's computer, then the parent uses it for work. So where does that push them down the line sure. and the hierarchy of who gets to learn and who doesn't get to learn? Sure. It, extending, extending work days because now you're working at home when, when oftentimes in, in some professions, when you got home, your work day was done. But now you're working from home, so it's kind of like, well, your office is always right there. I can always do one more thing. Mm -hmm. uh, or I was not as efficient between 8 and 5 as I normally would be because I'm also, you know, dealing with children in the house. Mm -hmm. um, and so what do I do now? That means I work till 8. That means mm -hmm. I work till 9. So, so there's a lot of change that, that is happening in, in households across America as a result of you know, mm -hmm. being quarantined, and, and I'm, I'm not complaining about the quarantine. There's a lot of great things that mm -hmm. happened as a result of quarantine, uh, family dinners, yes, family my breakfasts, favorite. <laughs> oh, it's, it's family crazy, lunches. Yes. So we yeah. Uh, how many of us are burning propane <laughs> on our outside? Oh, our barbecue grill. Lots of grilling. Grill. Yes. Lots of grilling. Right. <laughs> and and uh, getting to know, you know, your spouse more. Because, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, wait a minute. I only used to see you for four hours a day, max. Okay? And then, and then the cuddling uh, time. But other than that, I mean, it's now it's 24-7, yeah. on, on, on. Yeah. You can't yeah. escape. Yeah, it's like, wait a minute. You eat that? I didn't know you ate that. Wait, when did you start? Wait, you know, all, all those, it's like, mm. it's like starting to date over again, right? Isn't um, it glorious? Yeah, yeah. Nine it, times yeah. out of ten it is. The, yeah. There was that one time Danae goes, hey, aren't the planes flying, Rob? Because I used to fly 150 days a year, sometimes 200 a year. She goes, you know, you can take a plane somewhere, I'm sure, and I know that the airfares are cheap. Can you just go somewhere? I said, yeah, no problem. I'll get right on it. <laughs> but you were traveling places, speaking of travel, talking about bullying around the country. How yeah. did that evolve from your journey? To become a national spokesperson? Uh, so, so I have been uh, blessed to uh, partner with Crime Stoppers, um, and, and as a part of my public platform, where, where I share information, and this topic through Crime Stoppers happens to be about uh, bullying, cyberbullying, mm -hmm. to be more specific. Mm -hmm. uh, and the topic of cyberbullying I started on before I started um, my partnership with Crime Stoppers. By utilizing social media, every every uh, week I would post uh, a legal topic, and I would give my take on what that topic was, mm -hmm. and and you know people liked my my delivery, my, you know my personality. Well, some some people You're were drawn laugh. to it. <laughs> I stole it from Eddie Murphy. I started practicing it at an early age, and it never left me. Uh, so so from from doing that i i started getting requests to uh travel to different cities and and speak uh with their news stations and mm -hmm. and and um you know whether it's a telephonic interview or or going down to the studio and doing an mm -hmm. interview just to talk about what what the community was going through and and give parents some tools for how mm -hmm. to address those situations and uh, so that, that's how the whole Crime Stoppers mm -hmm. and, and, and cyberbullying platform and the traveling unfolded. Uh, from there, I, I was hoping to go down and give a speech in Florida. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, if you've been to Florida before, you, 
why not Florida, right? Absolutely. Beautiful. Florida, yeah, we'll be there. We'll come watch you. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and then COVID derailed the, mm -hmm. the, that plan. And so that that opportunity, um, I think they're going to do another uh, function in Tennessee, I believe, next year instead. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, any, anywhere I can share information, it's not necessarily, you know, limited to cyberbullying. Sometimes we talk about uh, there's so many different topics whatever whatever the most current legal topic is mm -hmm. or community impact topic is if we're knowledgeable about it uh, then I'll go out and I'll, and I'll share information mm -hmm. just I use my platform to give people things I that they might that. not well, otherwise know the quote that I'm most inspired by you say be quick to listen and slow to speak tell us about that philosophy so I, I think that people tend to want to overtalk one another, uh, want to want to show um, that they have something to contribute before they really know what the conversation is about, what the information that's being shared is really about, and, and giving a person an opportunity to fully express, you listen, you, you process, and then you respond intelligibly. That is what that's about. Um, and so you never want to just jump right in and start giving a person a reason why their opinion is, is wrong or while showing to show how intelligent you are. You're really not, in my, in my opinion, showing how intelligent you are until you've processed what is in front of you. And, and, and that's really all it's about is just slowing down to listen to persons you have two of these and one of these meaning two ears and one mouth and I think it's for a reason you should listen twice as much before you open your mouth and share your your opinion process it before you speak right mm -hmm. pause before you speak tough lessons I've had to learn as I've gotten older but um, I still try to learn that every day and being married too sometimes you've got to process because men's and women's brains think and process things differently Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, well, the, um, the, the, the topic we've got going on right now, Danae. Yes. And in our city, I have to say that I have so much pride for Houston. We are such a diverse city, and I feel like given what's been happening in our country and the horrible death of George Floyd, the way that our entire community and the leadership of our community, Mayor Turner, uh, Chief Acevedo, uh, the sheriff, came together to lead these quiet protests where we could really reach out and connect with the community. And I said to you today when we met, I said, I'm afraid of saying the wrong thing, but my heart's authentic and I want to connect with people in the community of all colors and races and religions. And I wanted to talk to you about that. I mean, you are an African-American man yes. living in this community. I have many friends who are African-American. I've talked to them about their, the way their journey has been so different than my journey as a white woman. Yes. And I wanted to talk about that because I trust you and I value you. And I want to know what you want to share authentically from your heart. Well, and, and thank you for, for the opportunity to do that. Um, where, we're, where I'm at, mm -hmm. 
so I'll, I'll, I'll share from my perspective, and I know that uh, a majority uh, of my friends and, and colleagues and, and persons who are similarly situated, being um, African American, um, have similar experiences. Um, where, where I'm at with this topic is, I think that people need to be willing to just listen mm-hmm. to, to the issue that is being presented. And, and, and you commented on the response from the city of Houston. And I have to applaud the city of Houston and, and our police chief as well, because what he did was was very unique. And I've seen a, a couple of different police officers around the country that, that have taken the same position. And it was to say, I hear you. It was yeah. to say, let let's talk and not deny that there's an issue mm-hmm. here as opposed to um, closing the ears and the mind and saying everything's fine. And, and I give you a metaphor earlier you know, before we started our show about being an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And I, I am not an alcoholic, let's make that part mm-hmm. clear. But if a person is deemed to be an alcoholic by all the people around them, yet they are constantly saying they don't have a drinking problem, that person will not want to seek help. Mm-hmm. And part of trying to seek help is recognizing there's a problem. Like the Me Too movement, for example. Mm-hmm. When you have a few um, women that were treated, mishandled uh, in, a, in a certain way, until the population, the larger population, was forced to recognize that and say, okay, we're listening now. We, we hear you now. That Me Too movement momentum would have never developed. It would have always remained oppressed, um, swept under the rug, or, or, you know, we would just turn our back and ignore it. But the fact that people said, okay, we hear you. What's the issue? Mm-hmm. Then people could come forward with their stories and, and give room for change. So the first thing is to stop being in denial that there's a problem. I don't know one person of color, and I'm gonna say of color because mm-hmm. it, it is not simply an African-American mm-hmm. situation. Um, all of our experiences are different and unique, but persons of color all have stories that they should be able to share mm-hmm. and say, this is what happened based on my color. This is what happened based on my sex. This is what happened, you know, based on my age. We have, we have laws that are designed to protect people for a reason, because mm-hmm. we recognized that there was disproportionate treatment of certain persons in this, uh, in this world, not just mm-hmm. in the United States, but in this world. So if I told, um, let's say, people in the workforce who are above 80 years old, and I, and, I, and I talked to them and said, what are your fears? What are your concerns? They would probably have common stories. I, mm-hmm. I, I fear, you know, possibly being, being passed over because of my age that they think mm-hmm. I'm only going to work for so many years. I fear being terminated because I make too much money. They can hire somebody much younger who they think can do my job but can't do it as well. There's going to be some common stories yes. there, which are real stories, right? They're mm-hmm. real concerns 
based on the experiences of persons of a certain age group. So when I talk to persons of, of that age group, and, and that common story is there, there's no denying it. But if I change the topic and I said, but now let's make it an African American who is experiencing A, B, C, and D, then you get pushback from some, mm -hmm. some people, not everybody, mm -hmm. but some people will push back and say, oh, that's not real, that's in your mind. That, that ended a long time ago. You know, that, that's not me. That's not you. And, uh, and the real thing to do is listen. Listen, open your mind, try and understand. And you're, you're married. When you have a situation where your, your wife is upset, you might not understand. And you might totally disagree with why she's upset. But if you listen long enough, you might figure out how to make her situation not so vexing. How 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 to I listen. I'm, I've learned to say I'm listening to you. I'm processing it instead of well, get say, over it or this or that. And that's the whole. There's a process involved because I don't see the world through my eyes. How you see the world through your eyes, sure. or how people see you. Also, it's um unfortunate that that's how it is, right. and we need to work on that. And your perspective is different, and that's what we need to understand. We live in a city that's the most diverse city mm -hmm. in the United States of America, Houston. Yes. We have we are the hodgepodge. We're the mixing of the whole world in our city, and we had seventy thousand people come to that march, and I honestly didn't think it would go that well, and it went phenomenal. And everybody gave everybody a chance to listen and work through it and see their perspective and then come home and digest it and then see where we can go to try to work together on these things. Right, it is a process. Um, and it's not a quick fix. It's not something that we can just say tomorrow we're all going to be treated equally and the same. It, it is a process. Um, putting steps in place to make that happen, uh, like peaceful dialect, like opening our ears and our hearts to recognize that we're human beings all collectively. We all went and hid in our houses when COVID hit. Yes. It wasn't it wasn't black America hiding, Spanish America hiding. It, it, Italy hid, Brazil hid, United States hid, Russians hid. We all hid the same way. We all had the same fears. We all have the same so we have that we there's so many things that we have that's in common that's right in front of us and the things that divide us are the failure to recognize sometimes that we're all the same right and so much of our pain is from fear or not being heard and i know when we've gone through therapy one of our um and it's helped so much one of the things they say with a healthy marriage is autonomy with a connection and part of connection is feeling that your partner will take influence from you. Right. And I think that's what, as a country, we're saying. Allow me to influence you from my experience. As, as, or allow, from my perspective. Allow, mm -hmm. take this and absorb it. And uh, Randy Rubenstein, one of our podcast guests, she does mastermind parenting. She says, when your child comes to you with a problem, you repeat what you heard and you let them know that you hear them. You don't come back and say, 
oh, but look at how good you have it otherwise. And that doesn't matter. And I think that's what the African-American community is saying. Let's hear this. Let's not come back with, but, well, it's better. It still hurts. It's still painful. Let's sit with it. Brene Brown says that. When you go through a painful situation, you have to sit with it, feel it, and then push through it. And that's what we're asked to do as a country this week and here forward, I think. I, I think that that's absolutely correct. Uh, and part of it starts with how we, because I'm going to tie this back to education. Yes. Uh, what are we teaching to the generations that are following? Because if you go to an elementary school or a preschool uh, and you watch those kids play, they all play together. They, do. they don't have a Chinese section. They don't have yeah. a Mexican section and an African American section and a white section. Not not in any school that I've seen. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe somewhere in some strange country they've got mm-hmm. that, you know, system figured out. But but not here. They all play together and that's their nature. Mm-hmm. Okay? So nature versus nurture kind of kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. What are we teaching to that generation um, that follows? So I think those kinds of lessons, um, teaching the right thing to our, our, our children, like when we tell them, don't smoke, don't drink, don't do drugs, and, you know, love one another. I mean, those kinds of things, those processes. And there's so many, this is such a, a topic that can... This that, could take, that, that we could spend take. days on this. Right. Um, but, but I think that, I mean, I, I appreciate the opportunity to share my perspective on it. Uh, my own experiences on it, you know, mm-hmm. through my life, I could write a book. But that is not, you know, in itself going to change the, the, the world. We, we, we just need some understanding right now. That's where I'm at. Well, thank you for sharing okay, sure. your journey, your commitment to our community, and the way that you've reached out to children. And then you also lead through what you're doing with your business and the roles you take. And um, I read about your charity. We didn't even get to talk about that as one foundation for sickle cell anemia or sickle yes. cell in general i do you want to touch on that real I, quick as a I, parting statement i do so uh, the as one foundation was started by uh the um Devar darling who lost his twin brother mm-hmm. uh to sickle cell and um so his brother passed away after not having proper hydration while playing football at um, uh, florida state mm-hmm. uh, university um uh. and not knowing that he had the trait he didn't have proper hydration and he was denied proper hydration and so his brother who then became an NFL football player which was their their twin dream mm-hmm. created the as one foundation we we go out we raise money we share um, testing kits and information mm-hmm. with school districts colleges um, cities states you name it the NFL um, is one of our sponsors as well um, get behind us the city of Houston um, is is um, going to be becoming more involved with us as well mm-hmm. And that's what we do. I also want to say mm-hmm. um, they're watching us today in China. Uh, Joe Young, who is a uh, professional basketball player and a Houston native, and, and he played in the NBA, and now he's playing in China, and, and his collective group are um, sharing the today's stream watching because they're, they're going through a lot of the same things that, that we are. 
uh, and uh, find this all these topics to be very interesting. So we, we have to say hello to our friends in Hi, China. Yes, <laughs> we miss uh, being able to go to Asia. So much of our business is there. So much of our clients, our friends. Hong Kong, we would go three or four times a year. We'd go it's to mainland been, once uh, a year, and uh, with the in the fall we couldn't go because of the protests. And then in spring, we couldn't go because of COVID this year. And it's a shame. I, I, I enjoy it so much. Their culture is fantastic. Such good, good people. And um, the government is probably not so good, but we don't have time to get into all of that. But the people I met um, were wonderful. Wonderful people, and I've been going honorable, for, honor, trustworthy. I've been going for ten years. Uh, so the same, loyal, the same yeah. convention every you know three times a year. The same people would come back, and we didn't speak the language well to each other. But they would bring me gifts, and I would bring them gifts, and we would do business. And it was just they're just I loved it. I love I love you, you would speak the language in your actions, in our actions, right. in our expressions, right? And mm-hmm. and we learned some fun phrases back and forth, and it was good. I mean, it was a I miss it. I miss it. I miss it financially, bottom line. I mean, I'm a businessman, sure. but I miss the relationships and the great meals, fun people to go to, just have a long meal. It just, I just, I really miss Asia. I really do. I, I have not yet been, but it's on my list of places to visit. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your commitment to Crime Stoppers as a Crime Stoppers board member and a safe school advocate. I appreciate what you do to help these kids. I too believe that. There's so many things in the world that need to be corrected and altered in our journey, but I've chosen to focus on the kids because I feel like if we can help them grow up in a safe, nurturing, healthy environment, that that's what truly will change our future of our country. And I'm so appreciative of what you do with Crime Stoppers. And I just recommend everyone to follow your philosophy, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Um, well, I had a great time. You guys are always great to come and sit with, and, and I, I can't wait to see what happens with your uh, platform as you grow. And uh, I, really quick teaser, I have something fun coming up oh, with American sure. Airlines. And, uh-huh. and that's all I can say about it. Okay, but, stay but, tuned. But stay tuned. And Follow uh, Jamie I'm, on Instagram. Jamie Speaks, is that? Uh, 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 Jamie K. Speaks on Instagram and on Facebook. And I look forward to getting on planes again. And um, American Airlines. American Airlines. <laughs> you got it. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week at 10 o'clock. And also check us out on Mondays at 1 for another Facebook Live.